0: Welcome to Live from Plato's Cave. I am Mario Vein. This is episode 14, Food and Spirituality, with Ilanta Sa. If you want to support this podcast, go to patreon.com slash Plato's cave. I think this episode will help us to start to look at three aspects of Plato's allegory of the cave. What keeps us in the cave? How do we turn not just our head but our entire being? And what happens when we return to the cave after having had an experience of what is outside of it? In Plato's allegory, the prisoners are chained in the cave. But what do those chains consist of? What keeps us stuck, or to use a more positive term, what keeps us grounded to this reality? Well, food is definitely one of those things. Whatever else we do, we need to breathe, and we need to eat and drink to stay here for any length of time. But what is our relationship to food? And how can we develop a more conscious relationship with it? In the next stage of the allegory, one of the prisoners stands up and turns around. But Plato is very clear to emphasize that It is not enough to just turn the head, but the whole body needs to be turned. In other words, we cannot think our way out of the cave. We cannot reason or even imagine our way out of it. We have to turn our entire being. And that means not just our mental being, but also our emotional being and our physical being. Again, there is a close relationship with the food that we eat. In episode 8, with Marike van Furth, we spoke about the wisdom of the body in the context of dance. And in this episode, we will dive deeper into that idea that our body has its own wisdom. The body knows, the body feels, the body remembers. And finally, in the allegory, the prisoner returns to the cave after having been to the service, but they cannot communicate that experience to the others who are in the cave. The words in the cave and perhaps language as such is too limited to capture such a profound experience. In episode 6 with Ernst van Alva, we discussed this issue in a more negative context, the context of trauma. In this episode, our guide discusses positive spiritual experiences. Those are experiences that are real to you, maybe even more real than anything else in your world, but you cannot share them with anyone. And yet you cannot ignore them. So how do you integrate them into your daily life? Our guide today is Ilanta Sa, and she connects all of these three issues, a more conscious relationship with food, working with the wisdom of the body and the wisdom of nature, rather than just with our thinking, and integrating spirituality in a down-to-earth life. Ilantasa is a beauty and wellness consultant. She's a breath coach and a business owner. She is passionate about sharing the benefits of conscious living and how it affects her physical, emotional and mental well-being. Ilanta started the first superfood company in Switzerland in 2007. Now she has a natural skincare company called Radiant Beauty. She has been studying and working in the fields of holistic nutrition, detox protocols, superfoods and supplementation. And in her own life, she has focused on creating a sustainable way of living, natural beauty care and a plant-based lifestyle. Ilante is a certified breath coach, and she gives individual food coaching. In her consultations, she works with you to find out which simple steps you can take for a more conscious relationship with food and a diet that supports your lifestyle. Thanks for speaking with me.
1: Oh, it's a pleasure to be here.
0: What did you eat today? <laughs>
1: um, actually uh, I ate something that it's a little bit different from usual so basically I listen to whatever the body wants to eat at yeah. that given moment so today I had uh, my, my drink in the morning which is water with a little bit of lemon and a little bit of honey this is how I wake up I always drink that and then I had an apple
0: I and had an apple too what? today. Huh? I had an apple too. Okay,
1: cool. Yeah. And I mean, it's it's seasonal, or at least there's, there's lots of apples. And um, and then I had porridge f- for lunch. And uh, this is very unusual. Normally, I would have a salad and um, a salad and some protein. Mm-hmm. Like, uh, as you you know, I'm vegetarian, so I don't eat meat. So it's going to be some um, protein in like tofu or something like that. But today I didn't have anything at home. It's shopping day today. So Mm -hmm. I didn't shop. So I had porridge and I ate porridge.
0: So is porridge like what for me would be like uh, eating uh, uh, fries or something like that? Or? I know. Just because you didn't have anything. It's not
1: comfort food. No. My comfort food is still chocolate. Mm-hmm. But I was—it was like one of my last addictions because I—I have a, a history, a bit of a addiction to food, and um, I spent one year or two without eating any chocolate, any cacao, any chocolate. So the addiction went away. But sometimes I feel like eating it, but it's not an addiction anymore. I don't need it anymore. Mm-hmm. I just eat it because. I want it, but I can go without it. So, so no, I don't have comfort foods like that. Actually, it's a bit strange.
0: What do you mean by addiction? Because of course, thinking about Plato's cave, I thought, um, you know, they're kind of stuck in the cave. Mm -hmm. Um, For me, one of the things that we're stuck is, well, we have to, we need oxygen. Uh, we need to eat and we need to drink and probably some other stuff too. But I think those are, those three are the basics. Mm -hmm. So are we addicted to food or is addiction something else for you?
1: Um, We are, food is emotional. It's undeniable. It's not like water that you drink because you need it and there's no emotional attachment to it. But food has an emotional component to it because of childhood, Mm. mostly. But it is not an addiction in the way like we see addictions as cigarettes or alcohol or whatever. But whenever there is a situation where you cannot be happy without it, it is an addiction. It's not that food is an addiction, but comfort food is an addiction. That's the way I see it, at least. And the way I see it in myself, I can only speak from experience, of course. Yeah, because I, I'm not nutritionist nor anything, but I have gone on a long journey um, to heal or to deal with um, with my relationship with food that it's not so healthy, let's say. Mm-hmm. And it comes from childhood, I believe, because at dinner time or at lunchtime, um, that's when things you can see the dynamics of the family not so you can feel as a child that the parents are not so happy and many times the the family is very dysfunctional or only a little bit dysfunctional and you're not so happy you're not so much in harmony as parents and the children pick that up and eating becomes a stressful situation actually Mm -hmm. and um, I don't know for me it was like that that uh, it's just, I didn't want to eat ever. I just didn't want to eat because there it was, my father and my mother. I mean, they are lovely people, but they have their problems. Yeah. And um, it's not their fault. <clears throat> it's just how it is. And it seems that around food, all these things come up to the surface. <laughs> yeah. And uh, and I think that gets kind of imprinted in us. And... Um, we are always searching for, uh, for some em- emotional compensation for that. I don't really know how to explain, but there is food that nourishes us, that really nourishes us, and there's food nourishes on a physical level, and then there's food that is more for the the emotion that it's a compensation. Yeah, that's all. But um, I don't know. I don't know about you but if when I am truly happy and satisfied and fulfilled with my life I don't reach for comfort food for emotional food for the fries or the chocolate or whatever it is because I'm happy that's why probably when a person is in love we we don't really eat much
2: Mm -hmm. because
1: it's there there is no need for 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 food as as a as a it was an emotional
0: kind of thing that's the way i see it yeah yeah it's so it's so fascinating for me if food is once you start to pay attention to it it's like mm-hmm. if that's the lens that you start to look at just basically any situation well if you just walk around in the city it's so organized around food and yeah. rest. I, I once spent um uh some days with with somebody who didn't eat (laughs) Mm. and um didn't drink as well that's another story but at least Mm. when he was with me he didn't drink and he didn't eat and uh he was from the UK so I wanted to show him around but and I I went I took him to Amsterdam what what do you do basically anything that came up okay let's go have drink some coffee Some oh no wait he doesn't (laughs) let's I mean it was so hard to figure out to go somewhere um where there's no of course i could have taken him somewhere with food but once you take that out of the equation yeah it's so um yeah yeah my my i i think you noticed my phd research was also about was about gluten intolerance mm-hmm. and uh i recorded a mealtime conversation so the children uh, couldn't eat gluten and we found out yeah the research was about how do they deal with it and mm-hmm. it was almost never explicitly like oh you cannot eat this or something but there was more they were saying they were trying to normalize it like um uh oh i made this especially for you mm-hmm. or if they if they ask a question um somebody asked a question to the person with gluten intolerance if they can have it or not they would start out saying are you allowed to have it mm-hmm. but then they corrected themselves they said are you allowed to have do you do you eat this one
2: mm-hmm.
0: it's so yeah so central and, and what i really learned from you is you really opened my eyes uh, some whatever decade ago <laughs> or longer mm-hmm. um, about the relationship between food and thinking and feeling mm-hmm. because of course we i mean probably people listening to this you can take we know obesity is a crisis we know the stuff that we eat generally as a society isn't you know it's causing all sorts of troubles Mm -hmm. and there's lots of people of course they're they're hungry in the world they Mm -hmm. uh you know so many people go to bed hungry tonight
1: (laughs) it's very unfortunate yeah
0: um but the link too
1: much In my understanding we eat too much in the west right
0: yeah do we 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 eat more than we need absolutely yeah
1: again because it's for the comfort and it's this is not a judgment but look now actually there's a a tendency for the intermittent fasting isn't it there is a, a this tendency i started to the most important thing with with food in my understanding is that the food is not not for the emotions and it's not for the mind also. The food is something that the body needs and that's it. It should be that, it's, it's, the body needs the fuel and we make a huge uh, scenario around it, around food. It is okay that it's also also for emotional and connection and social, all of that is fine, but basically the body needs food. The body needs water, the body needs air.
2: Yeah. That's it. Yeah.
1: And then we create all these things around food. Like you said, I mean, your friend comes, he doesn't eat. What are we going to do? Where am I going to take him? Yeah. You could take him to the park, you could take him to the, to the beach. You have wonderful places to take him. But the idea is always to connect around food. And that's not bad, but it's also a little bit too much there's a little bit too much focus on food. If we think that the food is for the body, and we don't create dogmas around it, and we don't create too much attachment around it, then it's a, it's a start. Mm-hmm. Because it is what it is, is fuel for our body. Yeah. It can be tasty, it can be healthy, it can be good for the planet, all of that. And But it is just food for the body, and the most important thing. Uh, There's a lot of um, talk about food, obviously, and what is good, what is bad, what diet is best. After studying and and, and making so many mistakes, and and my experience after all these 20 years of dealing with all of these things, my understanding is that you eat, and after you eat, do you feel good? Do you feel energized? Do you feel calm but energized? Do you Are you at your best? Or if yes, that food is good for you. And then if you feel lethargic or too excited or whatever, whatever that you don't like, then the food is not good for you.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: But it's for me, it's so difficult to distinguish between... Uh um what what i need and also how i feel because uh, for example i drink coffee every day (laughs) Mm -hmm. um and if i don't drink coffee for a day i get a headache Mm -hmm. so then what the message is you must drink coffee because if you don't drink coffee you feel bad no but you
1: know you know that's you know coffee it, it even if you didn't know that coffee is not bad for you because actually some science says that coffee is good for you
2: mm-hmm.
1: there's science to prove everything right we know that and but if you if you don't eat if you don't eat something and it gives you a headache it's because there's something wrong I mean it, I think this is easy to understand or not
0: like, Yeah, I mean if I take heroin today
1: yeah then tomorrow thought.
0: my body tells me take heroin <laughs> yeah
1: but but so but even if, yeah. i mean you're going to coffee because okay it's uh, m- most people like coffee and cannot live without coffee but have you gone long periods of time without coffee like in a
0: retreat yeah of course. but i mean yeah that's what i'm trying to get at because it's like my my body tells me but there's different ways of speaking of the body i guess i mean yeah. there's like a very childish way of speaking i need this now or i mean i've been uh i quit i don't know how long ago but um i always have to think about this woody allen joke uh where in in some movie he says i haven't been myself since i quit smoking it's a very stressful Mm -hmm. situation and then the woman asks how how long ago did you quit he says well 20 years ago (laughs) (laughs) but so yeah uh I'm, i'm very familiar with i i haven't done any like hard drugs or something like that but I I think I'm very easily because of that I don't try because I know I'm so easily addicted with with smoking with coffee with eating sugar and with everything like that but then in that moment so I remember trying to quit smoking and basically at the end of the day I would decide to quit smoking I would throw away my pack uh, of cigarettes and my lighter and the next be- next day before noon, I would buy a new pack and a new yeah. lighter, and yeah. uh, everything inside you is screaming like you need this, and this yeah. is like it's gonna fix all your problems, and you're gonna feel better. And then uh, you buy a pack of cigarettes, and you you smile and you feel better for a little bit, yeah. but you're you're I mean. You feel better, but you're also, well, you're inside, you're chained inside of Plato's Cave. I mean, addiction, if we exactly. speak about Plato's Cave, right? Uh, exactly. Yeah.
1: But you, you're bringing up a, a very strong example, which is coffee. I mean, let if you really want like to be more in contact with food or getting healthier, I mean, drink coffee, to continue drinking coffee because it's a very addictive substance. So we are not going to start there
2: mm-hmm. if
1: we want to. You know like sugar it's another thing
2: mm-hmm.
1: i mean this sh- your body will scream i need this i need this i want sugar or sugary things so but and it's difficult and there's no there's no i don't think there's a solution i've always been addicted also to many things i've smoked for 15 years like mm-hmm. and i would go and drank a lot of alcohol for 15 mm-hmm. years
2: as well so um the, the steps, I believe, need to be with
1: easier foods to let go of, to start with, if anybody is interested in, in starting to get more in touch with the body, is um, eating an apple and saying, oh, but does the body feel good? And then you eat a, a bowl of rice, which you're not really addicted to rice, I suppose, and then you say, okay, no, I'm a bit lethargic. And then the, the, the journey begins from there. The coffee, is it's too strong. And of course, it's difficult to deal with it. But as, it, as, it, as you begin to develop a relationship with the food, which I think that's what's missing. We just eat, we, we look at food as a commodity, something that we just grab, we eat, and let, let's move on. But it's life, isn't it? If it wouldn't be for the food, it's a life in itself to start with, and it's giving us life, and we have no relationship with it, except for, uh, oh, I need you, I'm gonna eat you, and then that's it. But as soon as we start having a relationship with the food, uh, from life to life, it's mm-hmm. a life that it's there, and we are eating life, and just a simple sitting with the food, and ah, do I feel good? Uh huh. Okay, so I'll eat more of this. And slowly you will develop a relationship when eventually, even if it's 10 years later, you really don't want the coffee. But if we go and say, no, I cannot eat coffee because it's horrible for me. It's never going to work. It's never going to work because we're going to feel guilty. If we drink the coffee, you're going to feel that we're missing out on something. If we drink it, if we don't drink it and then we quit coffee and we go to chocolate we go from chocolate and then we go to whatever addiction that it's the same so for me it's just doing the most the easiest and the most difficult at the same time It's just paying attention to the body
2: mm-hmm.
1: what is the, it it's that simple yeah you eat it, you eat you eat, you're just like, okay, kale and whatever and vegetable, green veg are awesome. Everybody tells you that. But you eat it. Do you do you feel good? No. Well, don't eat it. Move on. Try something else. But you need to sit. And especially for children, this is very important. Because children to, need to develop a relationship with food.
0: Yeah, to see how how they feel so, when they eat something. Yeah.
1: Yeah. yeah. And it's, they have an intelligence that we don't, you know, it's, it's pure that they, they are connected to the body in a way that we don't, we are not, we have a lot of ideas. We have a lot of guilt and food and a lot of ideas, but the children know, I don't know if it with me. I never digested milk, for example, since birth, but I was fed milk because, you know, to, for me to be it's in the culture. And, yeah, yeah, yeah. you just have. And the doctors told you that you need for her to grow. Yeah. I didn't grow much, so it was ridiculous. But I, you know, I, I needed to have milk and I every single day, mm-hmm. I feel like vomiting. But my mother wanting to do the best that she could, she was giving me milk. But my body knew that it was not good for me. So I think it's very important that parents know that too, that the children relate to the food in a way that it's healthy.
0: So, if I hear you correctly, it's about uh, food. Is also about your relationship to your body, and yeah, um, we have forgotten. Yeah, having a healthy relationship to your body. Yeah, yeah. and
1: it's easier said than done.
0: Yeah, exactly. I mean, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I I know because I first of all I can say that just knowledge is not enough no. because. I I eat very healthy, but I also eat a lot of bad stuff. <laughs> mm-hmm. So uh, I mean, bad stuff. I mean, uh, just like stuff with sugar or or fat or or everything mm-hmm. like that. In a way that I'm not happy with it. But I know. I mean, I learned a lot from you and and from. I I did some you know, food like uh, ways of eating that worked really well. Mm-hmm. Um, but still. It's, uh, it returns to a certain point where, where I'm not happy with it. And I think that point is not, it's not about, food is not about food, if you know what I mean. It's about something else.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: It's about, for me at least, about like be, like you gave an example earlier. If you feel really good, if you're in love, you, you don't need to eat much. You eat maybe some fruit or something. Uh, if you go uh, you know if you eat it's more like also a celebration right you, mm-hmm. you eat something that you can eat anything but it's like with joy
1: exactly that's the thing is joy
0: yeah it's a
1: celebration eating yeah True.
0: so okay at this point we could say okay this is uh, an individual's problem uh, right? Uh, I mean, if some people have a healthy re- relationship with food, others don't mm-hmm. and we know about eating disorders and stuff like that, mm-hmm. obesity, uh, mm-hmm. uh, addictions. But um, could you just, yeah, maybe maybe instead of because I want to ask you about how, how you see that, you know on a, on a more collective level, but maybe mm-hmm. it's good if we just get to know you <laughs> a little bit okay. better first. You were speaking about drinking milk every day. And uh, I think there's, you know, a time when you grow up, you just live with your family. You you don't think too much about who made the rules. And at one point you start to discover uh, the world and that the society you live in is maybe not fitting you or something. So you start to make some of your own choices, go on your own journey. Mm -hmm. So do you remember any point where you thought like, there's a different way of life possible, or I want to get out of this, or something like that.
1: Mm. Yeah, I left home very early. I mean, very early for Portugal. Yeah, at that time, I left home when I was 15, and um, uh, because I just understood that I could not be myself. I mean, I was what I thought it was myself. So I left home at 15. But since a very young child, I, I. Uh, I didn't feel at home basically Mm -hmm. so I always wanted to escape where I was and I did at 15 and um, I started to do things by myself like following my what I thought it was good for me but actually I was not prepared to think for myself and I think many many children and youth also might relate to this because Either we are under the parents' guidance or we try to figure out things for ourselves, but really we didn't have any education to take good care of ourselves. So I didn't take good care of myself at all. Then it's just
0: so, basically more like I want to get away from this. And I anything just, else, anything okay. that's not this is already much better. But you exactly. don't have, you don't have a plan or a developed like vision of where you want to go, right? Exactly. Um, just can't yeah. want
1: to get away from this. Yeah. And that isn't I mean it's good but it's not so good because I also didn't know I just made a lot of mistakes because I didn't have that uh, you know the the stable um, platform I didn't have any anything I didn't have any rules in my life
0: Uh, so when did you feel something that you felt oh this there's something here this is something I need to follow
1: Mm -hmm.
0: did that have to do with food already or was that something else?
1: No I mean I felt like when I was 12 or 13 I was very connected with yoga actually at that yeah. time in Portugal it's like I had a little tiny book of with uh, yoga posture and I was doing it and something like shiatsu which is like a massage and the plants I was very very connected to plants I was playing with plants and essential oils and natural cosmetics natural remedies that for me was my world and nature because yeah. the garden was quite quite big and we were always go to the sea. For me, the sea, the connection with nature, um, both nature, nature, or with my little plants and things was, was what I wanted to explore more, but it was not, you know, people didn't think that was a worthwhile thing to explore. So then I didn't feel at home. That's why I didn't feel so much at home. And I left and I lived in a certain way for 15 years. And then I got sick. My, my encounters with truth were actually always related to sickness, mm. which is a bit strange, but that's how it's happening. It's not by choice. But I was living so unconsciously that suddenly like the body really collapsed and I needed, I everything changed. Everything yeah. changed completely. and um, And that's, it was actually after a surgery. I had three surgeries in a row. And um, the last surgery, when I woke up, um, I, I was actually not awake. I mean, I remember it, is, it was a very strange feeling. My, the doctors were trying to wake me up with this kind of movements to wake me up in my chest. And I was talking to them like, hey, I'm here. And they thought that I was dead. Mm. And at that time, that didn't make, make any sense to me. And then when I woke up again in my room, in the hospital room, that was the first time that I, that I encountered something that made sense to me. And it sounds very esoteric. And for me, it was very strange at the time because I was not spiritual in any way, but there was a light, a presence, a something where I felt 100% at home. Mm-hmm completely at home i was completely blissed out and this was not the after effect of a surgery because i had after su- other surgeries before and after that it was always horrible to wake up after a surgery but that, that one it was incredible i still remember to this day and um and i didn't have any reference point of what that was but it felt like this is it this is something that i have never experienced and i I was just there in bliss, and one friend came in. The hospital to to, and he said, "It was not spiritual at all." And he goes like, "Oh, it's like God is here." Mm. I'm like, "Oh, you feel it too," and we were blissed out for some time, <laughs> <laughs> and then, and uh, you know, and our friends came in, and my mother, and whatever, and things started to dissipate. But that was always my reference because it was such change a complete change from my reality and um, from that moment onwards then I started to honor everything changed in my life I stopped drinking and alcohol uh, drinking and smoking and I moved to another town in Portugal I left all that I knew behind and um, and my body asked me to go vegetarian and I'm saying this because it was nobody told me to do
0: anything but that's because that's what i wanted to ask did you get in that moment did you get like um a a message do this or do that it was just because how you describe it now is just you a feeling and you felt a presence if i'm correct and you had this feeling and how did you how did you think about okay i have to stop eating this or i have to no
1: it just happened yeah i was just like the body started to oh i can't eat meat
2: Mm-hmm.
1: so it was all very like practical and simple and um and I was confused obviously like ah, well, what is-? but at that time and I think it was easier back then because there was not so many so much information from outside yeah. if it would have been now I would go online <laughs> and search, what is this whatever and but at that time it was not like that I mean, it's good how it is now, but uh, somehow at that time it was easier. and uh, one step after the other, things just changed, but I didn't have anybody talking to me saying yeah. this or that. but then i I uh, I eventually met my spiritual teacher and uh, from there, um, we started working on on meditation and mm-hmm. uh, much related to food as well because. For him the spiritual path is very connected to food so that's when my food journey began me realizing that i i had some problems related to food and i was covering up my emotional problems with food basically which i had not realized until then i just thought yeah okay i'm addicted to cigarettes and alcohol well okay that's that's okay and i like sugar yeah okay that was it i didn't think any of it i thought it was just okay but then a, 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 um, a deeper relationship with food uh, began in that way. And
0: how would you describe that relationship?
1: Again, first of all, it was the, um, being aware that there was a problem. Yeah. And that's the first step right, for anything. And, um, and then for a long time, fe- feeling very guilty about it, which is not useful, but it happened. Mm -hmm. Uh, I can't and then which I think it's very important I went on some very long retreats uh, meditation retreats which included fasting and juicing fasting drinking smoothies etc along with meditation and spiritual work and um, the experience um, of not eating, and then the first time that I ate after the fast is, is in my body. I mean, it's just it's a memory that I have that it's much more important than any book that I read about fasting or this or that because it was an experience of the body. It was such bliss. There was... That was just this connection that I spoke with food. This in, the, in the, before yeah. that I spoke that we that I felt for the first time there when I when we began to eat again um, at the end of the retreat, and it was not only that I was starving. I was actually not so starving, so much starving at that point because the body gets used to eating with uh, just small amounts of food. Mm. How,
0: how long was that? How long did you fast? it was 40 days 40 days no
1: but look this is not 40 days uh, fasting not at all it was um, we start with the food like raw food and then smoothies and then juices and then a few days of uh, just water and then move on again to juices it is very well just,
0: just why is that important that you uh, I mean, if I want to fast, uh, <laughs> I told you I drink coffee in the morning and everything like yeah. that. Okay, if what would happen if I just start fast fasting now? I don't eat for, I don't know, three, four days? No. You know, drink, no just drink water? Should, nobody no. should do that. No. Why not?
1: I mean, because first of all, uh, it could be too much of a detox, right? Yeah. And then you don't know how to do it, how to to deal with it. And it's just too strong for the body. There is no need... To push the body in any way mm-hmm. and there is no benefit for it uh, f- from it and um there are ways it's always very uh, very good it's the same as like you are in a very hot environment and then you go to a very cold environment it's just no you adapt slowly slowly
0: small steps yeah, yeah. small
1: steps but um, it is also okay if it's just for one day if you stop eating now and eat tomorrow again at 20 after 24 hours that's totally fine
2: mm-hmm.
1: there's not a big deal but if you go on a bigger a longer retreat obviously you have to slowly get into it and coming out of it because things happen there's especially if you do it on your own there's a lot of emotions coming up that yeah. you might not know, know how to deal with them by yourself and there's also uh, toxins coming up and there is no need to go through that by yourself and um, there's no benefit to it because then it doesn't stick your body will not remember will remember that that was a horrible thing that you've done and you don't want to do it again
2: mm-hmm. But if you do
1: it in the easy way your body will have the time to get used to it and feel the when the body is clean and uh, it feels that bliss and your body will remember we we'll remember how, it, how good you felt during those times. And that, what, that's, that's very important. On a bi- biological level, on a physical level, it's also, it's the toxins there are too much if you just um, go on a fast. But also on the emotional and spiritual and other levels, it is important that the body is respected and that we, we allow it to feel the bliss of being truly healthy.
0: And that can only be achieved with gentleness. And So why do, uh, because those toxins are, uh, you know, they're in the body when you start to fast, they're already there, but why don't you feel them? Why do you, th- does something physical happen that they start to come out or why do you start to, I mean, I, mean, I think mm. anybody who's, who fasted, you have the experience that first you get like, yeah, headache, maybe tense, maybe it doesn't feel so good in the beginning. Yeah. Uh, maybe, mm-hmm. do you know what happens? Why? Because the stuff is already in your body. Yeah. So why don't you feel it? Because um, you're very probably. used
1: to it, isn't it?
2: Mm.
1: I mean, if you really think about it, we are. We say that we are healthy and we feel good, but if we think about, it, we just got so used to not feeling really good.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: When was the last time that you were? really you had a feeling of health and uh, energy and, and and bliss when i say bliss is not something woo-woo out there like a, a really a well-being in your body that when was the last time yeah you know and we don't know but we slowly slowly accumulate so many toxins that we just get used to it
0: but it's you don't awesome. have yeah you don't have that reference point i guess anyway, i mean exactly. fasting is important i have mm-hmm. it's it's a bit like a parallel it's it's not not about food but about i mean uh because i've been doing uh, tai chi for you know for a long time now uh and there it's kind of the same story but with tension mm-hmm. so i've going in i thought well i'm i'm a pretty relaxed person but So it has to do with muscle tension, the way you hold your body. Um, Basically, if you see somebody who's been doing Tai Chi for a long time, I was in in, in The Hague in the tram, a very busy tram past the central station. And I saw some Chinese people coming into the tram. Clearly, they just came from Schiphol, from the airport. They had bags and everything like that. And it was very busy. The tram was going fast and around corners and everything. And I knew immediately... they're tai chi practitioners because they were just standing with their hands down very relaxed like nothing could move them or something like that and then in the beginning um you know it's it's a very mysterious thing but basically all they're doing is relaxing and when you're relaxing all the stuff the tension that your body is holding is just released and then you're body is just like a uh, how do you say it it's just a thing it's just a weight (laughs) it's like if you put like a if you put a suitcase there a heavy suitcase it doesn't fall over too Uh, your body is much heavier than the suitcase why does it fall over if you go around the corner but if you release all the tension then um so anyway, sorry, I, I go. <laughs>
1: yeah, but I always <laughs> felt that about people that practice or uh, tai chi or something like, there's something about them that they are so, yeah. There's something about them. There's the they are there.
0: Yeah, yeah. And then, so my teacher calls that. He says it's a you have a very high base tension. So um, doing the practices and everything, but it takes years. Yeah. Now I start to the moment I feel even close to how I felt before for me now, it feels very tense. It feels horrible. Yeah. Um, but at the time I was like, just used to having like a stiff shoulder or, or a pain mm-hmm. in my back and now. And now it's like, if I have a little bit of pain of my back, like, Oh, what's wrong? I need to do this. I need to do that. Mm-hmm. And I really want to fix it because I can't, uh, you know, I know, I guess what I'm trying to say is that, it's also about creating a reference yeah it's exactly Um, that it's
1: creating a reference yeah because if you don't have that reference then it's difficult yeah that's why i think fasting and it is important because then you you can you can have the experience of how good your body can feel and uh, there's a lot of you're talking about tension there's a lot of tension in in the digestive system as well Mm you know not only tension of the muscles but tension again emotional connected to the nurture that you wanted your parents to give but it was not so good and it's always related to food yeah. because the first thing that the baby does it just drinks the mother's milk and if the mother is in tension is tense in some way physical emotionally it passes on to the body to the baby obviously and that is is in it is it, it is in us we cannot. It's not the, the blame to blame the mother or whatever, but it's it's just what happens. And then the baby creates tension here in the in the area of the intestines, the digestive system, and um, the fasting and not not eating or paying attention it just um, creates some space and creates some relaxation there in the body, for which also breath is very important.
0: Why is breath important?
1: because we breathe here through the diaphragm, mm-hmm. which is where the digestive uh, muscles are and the, the system there. And um, it, it just relaxes those muscles and relaxes that area. I find that one of the most important things, if people cannot do anything else, if I cannot do anything else, I sit five minutes before eating and I just breathe. Yeah. And something simple is like breathing in and breathing out. Uh, gently or consciously and that immediately relaxes the, um, the body and specifically that area because the diaphragm is here right in the, yeah in the so, so is that
0: yeah. a, is that a meditation do you close your eyes or yeah. yeah yeah i close
1: my eyes i i make sure that i sit mm-hmm. this is not always possible it's not always gonna happen but um it's not only what I'm. What I want to say is that that it's not only about the food that you eat that it's healthy, but it's how you relate to the food and how relaxed you are when you're eating that food. Because you can be eating the the healthiest food on the planet, but if you're stressed and tense in the muscles there, you're not going to digest much. And for me, that has been actually the most uh, challenging aspect because you can change your diet, you can start eating healthy. But if you're not relaxed and you're just eating because it is healthy, um, I don't think that the body digests uh, a lot of of the nutrients that it needs. So, and again, it is an experience. I've experienced this while living in the school of meditation, which is like a type of monastery or ashram, and there, the eating was in silence and you know there was some reverence to the food and you just sit it doesn't have to be anything special it's just you sit and you pay attention to the food that you're eating and you 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 breathe for one or two minutes before you start ingesting the food i think that changes everything
2: yeah
0: so you that's quite um unusual i think because you i mean you speak uh, one on the one hand you speak about uh spiritual like kind of a spiritual experience that you had and and spirituality Mm -hmm. and then connecting that to food i mean i know there's i mean there's uh, most religions i don't know even about christianity but most religions have some rules about food right about Mm -hmm. uh, I mean, Muslims don't eat uh, uh, pork, uh, don't drink mm. alcohol, and uh, you know, many different religions have uh, something like this. But mm-hmm. I guess if I—I I don't know Christianity, I don't know—but there, it's more kind of—I'm um, talking way back—kind of a contempt for for let's say the physical aspect of life. Mm-hmm. I mean, not even Christianity, but in spirituality in general, right? We have this, yeah, this idea of spirituality as maybe a monk sitting in a cave in the Himalaya and probably not eating or maybe a little bit bowl of rice or or something like that. (laughs) So uh, we talked about spirituality and food and uh, that connection, right? So it sounds like you, you, you made this connection between some more spiritual experience and some Mm -hmm. food but maybe first of all what this because spirituality is such a you know (laughs) broad uh word uh what what do you understand by it
1: well it's difficult for me to explain that but um because i entered into it without even knowing that this was spirituality right yeah and um the way i've experienced is that It is a dimension of ourselves like the the physical we can relate to we know we are physical we know we have emotions we know we have thoughts and then the spiritual is just another part of us it's nothing just out there and nobody it's no it's just one part of us that many of us have not explored but it's part of being human yeah so there's the physical dimension there's the spiritual dimension and even if we are not spiritual in that, like, traditional way, uh, I mean, we are. Because we all know there's something more than the physical. We all have had experiences. And it's that exploration. I, I don't know anything, but I I'm I consider myself a seeker. So it's like a, I, I'm curious mm-hmm. what's that dimension, what's... And... Um, So that's what spirituality means for me. And it is something very grounded. Because of my teacher, Tani Samara, is very grounded. It's just like spirituality is in the everyday. It's here now in our talk. It's, It's everything. It's bringing consciousness to anything that we do. It can mean at certain points going to places, to the mountains, or to a retreat, or this or that just to connect and after we have that connection, we bring it to the world. So it's something very tangible, uh, maybe not so tangible, but a, a dimension that is part of us and we just have not connected to much to it. And in many cases, it turned actually into religion, which is a completely no. different thing in my understanding. It's Why? a completely different thing because it's just like believing in something outside of us. And that's the opposite, I think, in my understanding of spirituality, because spirituality is looking within. It, it is inside of us. It's as close as it can be you know, to us. That's why it's so difficult. It's like fish in the water. We just don't see it, but it's just it's just part of us. And looking inside rather than searching for the answer outside is, for me, spirituality.
0: That we spoke about in in earlier episodes about philosophy as um if you ask uh, if you ask what is a human being or who am i mm-hmm. but you're also the one asking that question <laughs> yeah. so so that's a very difficult uh, way and it's so it's uh, so close to you it's all around you that you cannot see it so well let's not go into philosophy and spirituality and the difference and and but just because i i haven't really spoken about it yet on on the podcast i found that's why i also wanted to speak with you because you if people meet you you're so i mean um down to earth (laughs) and just like kind of there and happy and you you it's more like you you you're present so you you notice everything Mm-hmm. um you're not let maybe i couldn't say it in a different way you're not so distracted you're not do you even have a smartphone oh come on <laughs> <laughs> you have a yeah a smartphone but how how old is it
1: <laughs> no. no it's not exactly like that because you see okay let's not go and get into that but it's just another addiction and as i said i have a problem with uh some codependence yeah. and it it I healed the part of the food and then I went a little bit into the social media. Okay. Thing. But I'm aware. That's the thing. You know, we, it, as long as we are aware, one thing is like, I'm eating chocolate and I just don't even care. Or, or no, I was drinking alcohol. I was just like, whatever. But yeah. then you create a certain distance like, oh, I know that I'm addicted. Okay. And, um, you know, of course, I don't live up in the mountain or. Yeah, and, and I, I am of the world, and and um, I'm just aware.
0: And you have a business, and, uh, I, have business and you... I
1: have a business since 2007 when yeah. you know my first online shop. Yeah. You know, it's um, it's, yeah, very grounded, and that I, it's part of my nature, and mm-hmm. it's also part of the teachings of um, yeah, Chinese yeah,
0: and so. So you say you have a spiritual teacher? I okay. do. Uh, what does that mean?
1: Yeah. What does that mean? Um, somebody, you know, I work with, with my spiritual teacher very uh, personally, but I also am open to other, the teachings of others. Yeah. And and I'm saying this because I just remembered one teacher says uh, that uh, a, a spiritual teacher. Or a guru which is a, a word that I don't like because it has so many strange connotations to it but um, it's like uh, what do you call those things in the car the, a GPS
2: mm-hmm.
1: because when we are in unknown terrain like you go to some place and you don't know where you are a new city a new country you like a GPS it will orientate you a spiritual teacher is like that but for the inner the inner world the spiritual world is unknown terrain it's a mystery it's a mystery to be discovered and we can get lost endlessly so a person that has done that that has done that before that has uh, walked that path before can help us mm. walk our own path it's nothing to do with them the teacher it's not about following a teacher but if he's a good teacher you will help us find ourselves because it is it is complicated already on the outside if you go to a new country to know the rules it's much more complicated the inside so that's what i see uh, um tony samara as as a guide more than uh, you know a guide and a friend
0: yeah
1: you know yeah. For me it works like that that is just like I talk to him the same way that I'm talking to you now and um, but it is that it is a guide to to the to the inner world that can be very confusing distracting overwhelming and there are many traps on the spiritual path and
2: that's mm-hmm. what it is.
1: it's very unusual in the in in uh, yeah I'm a little shy to talk about the spiritual teacher because um it can be seen as like something religious or something like that which is not at all not for me
2: yeah 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 it's that's... a
1: guide that helps me through through the confusion of the inner world yeah yeah
2: yeah <laughs> yeah.
1: yeah and the, again it's as you know also it's very grounded and um for him and for many people many many teachers food and the body are actually very much part of the spiritual process because it's like the temple. And hence why food has always been part of my spiritual process because uh, first of all, it affects directly the body. You cannot like eat sugar and then sit to meditate. Your mind will be all over the place. Your emotions will be all over the place. Or if you eat meat, and then both sit and meditate. <laughs> it's not gonna happen. I mean, you're just gonna like mm, feel heavy and all of that. So in that way, there's a very strong connection with the meditation and spiritual work and food. That's why the monks and the, the, the sadhus and whoever never really ate much. That's one of the reasons um, because it interferes a lot with the, with the spiritual process.
0: yeah I remember when I started to meditate a little bit I at one point I stopped drinking but not because I thought drinking was bad or, or something drinking like that alcohol, or yeah alcohol. drinking alcohol <laughs> no I was, still <laughs> <laughs> I was still drinking coffee and water and, and stuff like that but because I started to notice that uh, I mean for me the i didn't drink much or anything like that but and the drinking was okay and it was fun with friends and everything mm-hmm. but i started to feel i think it was 1.5 or five days after i started to feel something about uh, I, don't, I don't know how to describe it but kind of not hangover but mm-hmm. uh, i knew uh, i feel something because maybe that was like a first day because sunday i've been drinking a lot and that that really started to bother me about like why does this because I was feeling good why does this come in uh, come into my uh, experience at this moment and it was not even about um, the drinking itself uh, or when I was smoking about the smoking itself because at the moment it feels good and you, you, I mean, you loosen up a little bit and yeah. whatever, but it's about the whole thing afterwards. And, um, I guess I started to feel that more and more. Yeah. <laughs> and, um, and even with meat, it was the same. It was actually on, uh, it was actually on with uh, Tony Samara with the uh, fasting retreat, but I'm even shy to say that because it was three days. <laughs> yeah. yeah yeah yeah, in, in Portugal and mm-hmm. um, yeah not not eat so much for three days I think we drank smoothies or something like yeah. that and I, yeah, I felt really good and yeah then afterwards you have to start not not order pizza <laughs> yeah. um, but start with fruit and and Thanks you so. know and I started to really feel even if I for a long time I didn't put salt in my food because it was just so much and but slowly i started to you know eat uh fries again and then that's everything. when you
1: go again to another retreat and just gently <laughs> the body then remembers
0: yeah yeah I, yeah <laughs> i mean yeah I, in my case i didn't do that but i noticed after a month i i noticed hey i haven't been eating any meat
1: ah okay yeah
0: but uh but i really like meat and spare ribs and everything like that okay. so i started eating meat and i just I think it took me like half a year because I did eat meat, but I felt so bad afterwards. I felt so like happy. The uh, body, right?
1: Yeah, the body felt That's the experience that is important. But I, yeah.
0: I didn't, I didn't want to start. It was, I mean, now I, I, you know, thinking about it more, I know the, you know, this the animal suffering, uh, mm-hmm. the effect on climate change, all the health stuff. But back then, I really didn't care about that. So, I mean, exactly. I cared about it, but not enough to actually do something myself. Yeah. It was just like, it didn't feel good anymore. And then I thought, okay, I'll just eat fish. But still, uh, you know, at one point, I just had to stop. And now and now it's very strange how then afterwards it starts. If I now see, I mean, I don't, for me, it's not even meat. It's like a dead animal. Yeah. I see it and I think, why, why would... Where would I want to put that in my body? Yeah, but it's not. it's
1: the body. Yeah, that's the same that happened to me, and I think it's much more sustainable in that way because if you go into vegetarianism or this or that because you think it's good, Mm -hmm. eventually you will go back to eating meat. Yeah, because but if your body, like you said, the wisdom of your body said no. I mean, it was just a gradual, natural process. Yeah. Of 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 doing it, yeah.
0: So yeah, how do you? <laughs> I have to ask you now. How do you look at Plato's uh, allegory? How do you read yeah. that story?
1: So I I am not like super knowledgeable about it, but when I read it, it's it um it reminded me of how the Hinduism sees the illusion, the Maya, right? It's just like you're living in this world where um, it's it's confusing to understand with the mind. What is it? This why is it an illusion? Why is it that they are there in the darkness looking at the the, the shadows, and uh, then it comes up and sees the light? Right. That's the, mm-hmm. which is the journey of any spiritual journey is like that. We 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 move away from what we thought it was reality and slowly we start seeing other things and then we don't know what reality is and it's confusing for the longest of times, It's super confusing. And um, so when I read the story, uh, when I read that, I said, oh, this is the story of what has been going on in my life and the life of many people, I suppose. And... Um, That's it, that's the story for me of finding uh, real truth. What I didn't understand then in the end is that he goes back to the cave and he has seen the light and when he comes down, he becomes blind. And and, uh, then he tries to kind of uh, uh, waken up the other people and then he becomes blind. i don't know yeah, because really, he you need to become
0: blind yeah because he cannot see in the dark and i mean when you i then go into i mean, a, I mean first okay. he comes out and he his everything is very painful because yeah, yeah, exactly. he's just blinded i mean imagine yeah, yeah. you've lived in in a cave for i don't know 30 years and <laughs> you see yeah. sunlight for the first time in your eye in your life but then his eyes get used to the light but then he goes back and of course he only sees uh, Okay, his eyes are not used to the dark and yeah and and uh, his uh you know his former colleagues make fun of him because he cannot recognize the shadows he cannot predict which shadows come after what Mm -hmm. shadows Mm -hmm. so 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 maybe that's a good i mean how yeah you you went on like a retreat like 40 days you yeah you, you lived in in a meditation school for a while um but you also just I think you travel a lot, yeah. uh, and and you live in just cities and everything. So how is that? Maybe something you recognize that you come back.
1: I mean, for sure, I recognize that the very the 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 when you start to see the light, that it's very difficult. Yeah, it's it is a painful process. Maybe not for everybody, but for some of us, it is, and that uh, that that is obvious, and that's why man, not many people really go into this. Um, spiritual journey willingly I mm-hmm. didn't I needed to have a point a disease to get into it and um, the returning back, as you say to the cave seema it's also not easy. For me it is not easy because I feel I feel lost mm-hmm. I feel very lost and uh, not knowing exactly in which um, which world to live in. I'm pulled back at this moment. I'm pulled back to the darkness of what's not me, and um, also living much more in the truth of who I am. Mm-hmm. I'm still like balancing, but after the, this retreat, the first retreat. So, if I if I may continue the story of yeah, um, please um, the story. So, I went on this first forty day retreat, which was in Egypt. And it was life changing. It has to be. I mean, such a thing, right? And um, and then again, my life since then. This was twenty years ago. Uh, twenty wait, twenty years ago. Um, my life since then is about. Uh, what is it about? It's the deepening of the the finding again. is like. St- the seeking I don't really know sometimes the the spiritual path is so confusing but like it's a back and forth from light and darkness and I don't like the word light and darkness because it implies that one is good the other one is bad but it's not so much that it's like more what we think we are and what we really are you know letting go of what I thought I was it's sometimes painful
2: mm-hmm. so
1: that's been the journey and I went on to have um, another 40-day retreat this time in, in Brazil and at that time I had a, a vision of leaving my own country and I left my country I was 35 years of age it didn't make much sense to leave the country just because I had a vision but I left and then I left, and I've been traveling since then until 2019, when I came back to Switzerland. I've been traveling and living in many different countries just because I think there's this uh, curiosity. I want to know. I know. I want to know what other people are doing. I'm like, you know, the Portugal is a wonderful country, but it's very much in their own little world because it's so geographically... You know, away from it all I didn't know the world I was fascinated by different cultures although it was always in Europe and I, I wanted to stay there and explore the how they lived things always related to healing and all these kinds of things and I lived in different places and I didn't even know what I was doing there but now it starts to make more sense because yeah. I was more finding myself through the the I mean, if you go to a different culture, you have to open up to different realities, and you slowly start to shed what is not really yours. But you know, uh, having lived in, in so many different uh, countries and, and cultures um, was a spiritual journey on its own, although I didn't really understand it at the time. And um, I was—is oh, this? Like you said, like bringing both world of spirituality and the very physical mundane world together has been my journey. So ever since. And um,
2: um,
1: what can I say? And food has always been at the center of it. Because you can imagine if you're traveling, it's very easy to fall into addictions and stuff like that because you don't have healthy food at all. Uh, many times if you're traveling and all that and keeping that center, keeping that focus, keeping that love for myself and for my journey while I'm still traveling and doing all these crazy things, it has been a journey as well so mm-hmm. it's man- maintaining that equanimity, that uh, center, even among, uh, in, in the chaos that's probably the the most important lesson of my life until now, it's the um, keeping myself centered when Mm -hmm. everything is is just chaotic and it's been a very difficult journey in terms of health as well and yeah so but i don't know exactly what you want to know about my journey (laughs) you can ask me
0: (laughs) what's your favorite place in the world
1: yeah um and there are the, the, the places in the world is always connected for me, at least with some feeling that was like, you know, some feeling of com- contentment and that's going to be uh, wherever the, the retreat in Egypt was, which I don't even know where it was, mm. but the sea there was just like beautiful. Yeah, And then there's here in Switzerland, I have a strong connection with Switzerland. It's the wilderness.
2: Mm-hmm. That,
1: if it's wild and you know untamed which is rare nowadays i feel really much at home so in the mountains here in certain mountains where there are not much tourism i just feel so much at home it just feels so much at home but there's not one specific place i will find it <laughs> i will find it because i'm yeah. searching i'm searching for that home Because you're you're in in
0: Switzerland, right? Uh, I don't know if we mentioned this already, but uh, I mean, Switzerland is a beautiful country. uh, It is a a beautiful country.
1: And I'm not in the mountains. I wish I could be, but I'm not at the moment. But I lived in a a little house, very small, simple house up in the mountains in Switzerland. It was one of the most important times of my life. Mm -hmm. Because the connection with nature was real. It was, but you, you could not avoid it. It was a very deep relationship with the silence of the forest and of the snow. And it is in those moments that I learned most about myself. And um, yeah, so I have not found, and home is where the heart is, where I don't know what that is. Physically, I'm still to find, but there are many different places. Mm. Yeah, I love Switzerland for now.
0: Mm -hmm. yeah and i want to ask you i don't know how to ask it but yeah basically just how how do you see society what does it look like to you at this moment what do you see
1: i think we are waking up
0: yeah but what does that massively
1: no but let's let's say like
0: because this. i just i'm gonna speak in my next conversation probably it will be released before this is with someone who speaks with flat earthers oh, so yeah, you know and I mean. <laughs> they're also saying they're waking up because they're realizing that the earth is flat and everything ah, like okay, cool. so i have to ask you what <laughs> what does that mean to you like wake waking yeah. up what does that mean
1: i mean because many of us have gone through a lot of suffering right and we sometimes we have to be pressured into suffering to to search for something else. And
2: most of us, and um, that's one reason. Mm-hmm. And the other reason,
1: which many people I find uh, are always complaining about technology. Technology is taking too much time of our lives. We are always on the computer, but it's part of the evolution. And it's part of this awakening in my understanding of of the spiritual awakening, indeed, because spiritual teachers 2,000 years ago would speak to 10 people Mm. and most most of them would not listen. Now, wisdom and consciousness can be uh, spread much faster through the Internet. And that is a real thing. And I think that is playing a big, big role in the awakening. I know that we can, I mean, it, it can be seen in many ways. I'm not trying to be positive just for the sake of it. I really see a massive willingness to do better mm-hmm. inside ourselves. And although there's a lot of accusation of this, this, the problem of the society is because of this, 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 and it's always external. Many people are looking inside and taking responsibility for all this. What's happening? Yeah, that's the only way. I mean, you know, we're not going to fix anything if we don't fix ourselves because society is us, is Mm -hmm. individual plus individual, you and me. So, I I truly see, and you know, I've been in this for like twenty years or something. I truly see a much, much bigger willingness and a movement of people taking responsibility for their own lives. yeah. And in, in, in that way, then it will reflect in the society. It's inevitable. You know? And um, it's people like, and I'm going to make the reference of this person that I truly admire, which is maybe a little controversial, but I truly admire the work that he does, which is Sadhguru. And Sadhguru is a, a teacher that has become huge as millions and millions of followers of this uh, spiritual teacher. And is creating a wave of consciousness like never before in the history of humanity, the way I see it. And uh, it's this kind of movement that um, give me hope. And then the smaller teachers and the smaller the people that are doing it in a smaller way, etc. But the consciousness is rising for me. Mm-hmm. That, and, Of course, it's like a bit like detox, like we were talking. When we start detoxing, a lot more uh, rubbish comes to the surface. But it's only to be cleaned, eventually. So I think we are, I I don't know what people say, but in my understanding is that we are at a very crucial moment that we have to be very clear what we choose, because of course we can go downhill even more we need to really take responsibility and not only be very spiritual and, and you know like meditate at home or whatever people that are inclined to do so we need to take action in the world yeah um, really and again Sadhguru is doing an amazing thing that's called conscious planet movement and I mean just thinking of it it's just it's I have goosebumps everywhere because this is so much what's needed we need to be care of ourselves and we need to take care of the planet as well it's it is and it's there's thousands and hundreds of thousands of people involved in this kind of movement that gives me hope that gives me hope
0: so then how you speak now i think um that's many people will recognize that right when if they're thinking about climate change or if they're Thinking about why well, I did the episode with Dominic Petman on distraction and social media,
2: mm-hmm.
0: kind of these um, while well, technology is involved, food is—I mean, food and technology. Sorry, I try not to get sidetracked. <laughs> mm-hmm. I do that sometimes. Um, so that that we do live. At like an intersection at this moment I think Mm -hmm. that's pretty clear that something needs to happen something needs to change Uh, we cannot go on the way that we go now I mean we obviously we can but it will have consequences like some countries flooding and well things that we see around us uh, all the time already right
1: yeah and what what is the the planet that we're going to give our children that is very important
0: yeah and and that's what the children are saying is well we don't have a planet b and yeah. why i mean that's what greta thunberg is saying why should i go to school if there's i mean <laughs> for what yeah. what's going to be yeah. the future and so i i spoke with peter lemons about uh, uh, his own idea and about uh, Bernard Stiegler, a philosopher, and, and it's the idea, literally, that there is no future, uh, we live in a post-truth world. Um, mm-hmm. Many of the ideas that we have about where should the world go to, they turn out to be, well, unhealthy ideas in the sense that, the, I mean, there's the idea of capitalism will solve everything, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, if we just leave it to the market, there will be a kind of balance uh or communism or um or
1: something completely new an
0: ideology yeah or something new but
1: because we are always looking at the past to try and see the future and yeah it's not like that it's something completely new when the internet came who thought that this would completely change our lives and it's something like that it's gonna happen
0: yeah so you don't know what what is going on, we have we no idea go- yeah
1: we just yeah. keep doing it we just keep going and moving beyond our own limitations. Yeah, and that will create a force that will create something we don't know, mm-hmm. because we're always trying to extrapolate from the past what will happen in the future. Yeah, not gonna happen like that, in my
0: understanding. Yeah, I'd li- I'd like to see how you connect. I- I'll try to. It's a very complicated complex idea, and we'll speak about it more from uh, Bernard Stiegler, and he he talks about basically. Um, the the age that we live in uh, entropy is increasing which means well stuff is warming up right uh-huh. and uh basically it's a situation that we're in now what we're seeing and he says the next stage should be neck anthropocene and that is basically uh, life like when when a plant grows it's like a very complex unique structure but the tendency in in uh you know on a large scale is that things even out they become like boring and Mm -hmm. distributed and everything but if you (laughs) go to the jungle there's like this brimming life and everything it's complex it's basically i mean that's how i understand it's kind of that's what we need more of and not just you know not just forests we need more forests as well but also more of this diversity and this it's the soil yeah it's the soil, and
1: that's why I'm so excited about this Conscious Planet movement. You should have a look. Mm-hmm. And uh, it's all about the soil, the diversity of the soil. That's Everybody talks about the air, the pollution, this and that, but life is in the soil. Mm-hmm. We are made of soil. Food is made of soil. If the soil continues to be less and less nutritious, no matter how healthy we eat, there's no nutrition in the food So we are very much connected to the soil, to the richness of the soil. Yeah. And it's become it's we are becoming desertified the planet. And that is very, very important to reverse that. Otherwise, there is nothing that we can do. If there's no nutrients in the soil, we are dead in the future in a few generations or decades. So that's why I'm so excited about this, the movement, the conscious planet movement, because first of all, it It humbles us that we are nothing more than soil and water and air, you know, we are part of this planet, we are not going to save the planet, we are the soil, air, and and water. And it is our responsibility, of course, to take care of it, and it is possible, it is absolutely possible. And it's very much connected to the food. Because no matter how organic and how wonderful it is, if there is no nutrients in the soil, it's useless it's useless food and that is. is happening now
0: if you eat the mango changes. yeah if i go to the supermarket here and I, I take a mango i don't know where it comes from
1: and look i mean i don't know if you have this experience but i remember 40 years or 30 years ago food tasted wonderful i mean the, the you know a melon that we had in portugal and peaches mm-hmm. they tasted so good i don't remember i don't know that taste anymore it's gone
0: you know, if I buy a mango from the supermarket, it feels for me more. Uh, I'm eating the idea of a mango, yeah. like because it looks like it, it feels like, like it in my mouth or it's something. Not. <laughs> it's not. It's like, uh, yeah, the yeah, what I say, the con, maybe the concept of a mango, yeah. <laughs> right? Yeah. Yeah,
1: but we have. It's very important. It's like looks like it's not so important, but it's important that we eat locally, and if you can, have your own garden and. Yeah. you know these little things or grow some things in the windowsill or and especially for children they need to connect with nature really very important because then they they don't see it as separate
0: and you how know, how do separate. you do that if you live in a city you want well, to you connect to parks. nature yeah
1: parks. and there's a tendency at least in my country was like oh it is like that now it's like you go shopping or to this whatever you know it, it, on Sundays, you go something indoors, somewhere indoors. And I think it's one of the reasons why Switzerland is so healthy, and they are very healthy. It's because they are always outdoors. Right. They cycle like in the Netherlands, but they are, for them, weekends is hiking and it's always in contact with nature. And children in particular need their, their the, that connection so that they know That's not something separate, it's part of them. That is also develops their brain in a very specific way. And um, I mean, you have the sea there, you have parks. I remember when I was in the Hague and that happens a lot wherever I go. When I'm upset, when I was distressed or emotional, I would go and smell the roses. There were not many trees Mm -hmm. where I was, but there were many roses. Growing in people's gardens and up the, the 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 houses, and I would go there and i would, I do that a lot.
2: Yeah,
1: <laughs> I was just—it's a contact with nature that it's direct and it's beautiful and it's very pleasant. It doesn't have to be that we're going on a hike somewhere somewhere, but nature is everywhere, and we pay attention. We walk barefoot, you know.
0: Why? So why is that important?
1: because it connects there's a frequency of the planet there's a frequency some people are much better explaining this part because i'm not like it i'm not very good with engineering and this that kinds of things but there's the frequency of the planet mm-hmm. which is the frequency that we have when people go the astronauts or that they they miss that energetic connection isn't it like help me here i don't know the, the electromagnetics
0: yeah on I- the earth I think if you're i mean i'm just i don't know the science too but from my own experience uh it's like uh if you have souls you, yeah i'm sure there's something <laughs> uh, yeah. we, we both don't know really know about but i think if i mean okay let's a lot of this stuff maybe a lot of the things that you're saying will sound new or strange to people right mm-hmm. but i think one of it's the not new, things-
1: Mario, because we've always, let me just interrupt you there. We've always walked barefoot. Yeah. It's just that we have forgotten so many things that we think it's weird. It's not. We have shoes. Even two generations before, people were walking around barefoot. We lost that connection. And it's, yeah. it's, it's a reason why there's so much disease as well, because the human body, like all animals, need that connection with the earth.
0: Yeah yeah but yeah
1: continue
0: well what I wanted to say is that (laughs) I mean a a lot of stuff is I find this really difficult to speak about and uh, that's why I'm so happy to speak with you but the thing is just try it you know if uh, it's the same with with meditation if you've never meditated before you can speak about it a lot What you can also do is every day just I mean how you just described it you sit like five minutes Mm -hmm. Uh, just sitting uh, and breathing and probably your eyes closed but that's it you don't need to sit in a special way or anything like that Mm -hmm. you try that don't try it one time and and that's it but try it for a month every day sit five Mm -hmm. minutes with your eyes closed and see how it feels and the same is just what we were just speaking about Uh, I mean I, I did try it myself and I forgot about it maybe I'll do it again but just at least because i have a garden i'm very lucky with that
1: oh do you well, yeah i do <laughs>
0: um that's one of the reasons i we wanted this house i mean mm-hmm. i looked for a house i said it must have a garden because it felt somehow i need to have my own little
2: yeah
0: ground but then just trying to go into the garden or going up to a park and take off your shoes and stand there and see how it feels yeah So it's not, I mean, what you're talking about, what we're talking about is not an, it's not an ideology or something. Mm. I think the the way you speak about it is very much, this is, this is how you experienced it. This is how you feel good in life. This is how you make sense of the the world around you. Mm. And your path is probably very different than from someone else. Right. So Mm -hmm. It might not be that somebody else has the same connection with food right for sure but it, it could also be i mean even if you don't have that connection it could something could be something you try out. Be, be more what did you say before like if you before you eat an apple just uh, make friends with the apple first no,
1: just 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 know that it's a li- it's yeah. it's it's life on its own it's something it's, it's this
0: thing that grows from a tree yeah. and it has this it's shape from- and it's a the
1: supermarket there it's not yeah. really
0: yeah and it's pretty amazing that we i mean that's probably one of the reasons we're not conscious of because i can just go i can pretty much buy or order anything i want exactly i mean There's that's quite different yeah
1: into abundance too much abundance yeah yeah There's so a really good movie let me just say it's called earthing and yeah. it has all the scientific uh, explanation also for the earthing but it's just absolutely incredible and it's free and it's amazing, and yeah.
0: it's, yeah. it's it's a, well, another thing we've talked about food but if you look at the world through this lens of earth you start to see i mean for one uh, most of this uh, i know in switzerland it's a bit different but in holland well holland is level anyway <laughs>
2: mm-hmm.
0: but yeah. most of the streets everything is level yeah uh if if you walk in many different countries or in nature it's never level so you're your feet have to adjust to it yeah. your, your your body gets kind of challenged even just walking in the in the yeah. forest
1: yeah.
0: um it's no we wonder not have
1: to do it to like think now okay now now i have to walk barefoot every day everywhere yeah no it's just really do the best you can and you will see like you said we need to experience otherwise it's just words
2: yeah, doesn't, yeah.
1: they don't mean anything that's why fasting is important so that you experience that's why putting your feet on the ground is and it's these simple things that will get us through these very chaotic times yeah it's not the very phenomenal experiences it's these everyday little things that we do we stop and breathe three times a day we just look out the window you know we just disconnect with whatever we're doing we pay attention to our body we eat you know with consciousness just there in the food we go and put our feet we touch a rose these things make a huge difference in the way we can strengthen ourselves and be centered at least that's how I see it how I have experienced it doesn't have although I have very extreme people might say extreme experience with going like 40 day retreats and stuff like that mm. the real a transformation is in the everyday life that when I'm stressed I know that I'm stressed and then I stop and I breathe that is when you know at least for me that you are changing that you are truly changing that you are not caught up in whatever mess is going around you because you have those little tools these small tools that are very important and it's like this that the world will change I understand
0: do you have any vision of where where do you see it going like how how you look how would you look at the planet? Um, do we all go back live in uh, in the in the caves or in the forest or mm. what I
1: don't think so. I see many people being attracted to living in the countryside, you yeah. know especially in the wilderness of Sweden. I see many people going to the off grid and and that is great. But if we all did it, then it wouldn't be isolated. People are searching for stillness, for isolation, because they are fed up of the cities. But we cannot just leave the cities. We have created them, we have created all this mess. So it's good that we take care of the cities and make them more, uh, uh, how would you say, like better to live in. So I'm, I'm seeing that well, there will be people doing all sorts of things, but this return to the land that many people are talking about, and Anastasia from Vladimir Megre books also talks about that. This return to the land, it's not about abandoning the cities and whatever life we have now and escaping to the wilderness. It's more about bringing the, because what we are searching for when we're going to the wilderness is it's some part of us some part of us humans are have this wilderness and we have forgotten them. Okay, I'm going on. A, but what I mean to say is that the, the the society of the future, the way that I see that it's uh, healthy is what they are doing here in Switzerland, actually. I quite mm-hmm. admire them because everything is a little bit wild. Everything, I mean, there's not much wilderness except for the, the peaks of the mountains, but they bring, nature into their everyday life. You know, I'm here and I see mountains everywhere, and not mountains but hills and there's trees and there's wild gardens and this nature is everywhere. So we feel comfortable living here. And uh, that's I think that's the way in terms of like the structure of society, I think that's how it should be that we we continue, we are billions and billions now. We cannot avoid that. But uh, we need to make it uh, comfortable and uh, wonderful to live wherever we live. Mm-hmm. Not go off-grid somewhere and escape.
2: Yeah. That's so... some,
1: some will do that, but most of us, 95% of the population, do not have the possibilities of going off-grid somewhere or whatever. Yeah. So we need to make it our homes the best place to be.
0: Yeah, so not not go somewhere off somewhere, maybe do explore or experience or do a retreat or something like that. But then you come back and, uh, and I apply mean, there are all
1: those things in your own life, which yeah, is the most difficult
0: thing. There's this. I mean, there's this move. I I love it when things come together because if you, I mean, if you're not, you don't see yourself as a spiritual person, and or you don't connect with this. We we talked about the earth, the soil before. Uh, I mean, a scientific person, uh, can, there's a lot of stuff about why, why are the, the, it's a big problem that the cities are too hot in the summer
2: mm-hmm.
0: because there's all this concrete. Yep. So there's also, I think in Holland, it's happening a little bit. There's some movement about uh, playgrounds for children instead of putting concrete on there or putting something, just putting grass, putting earth.
1: This was here. Yeah.
2: Yeah
0: putting so roof, think... roofs, uh, like a garden, a roof gardens, yeah. they pull the stuff down. Yeah, um, exactly. Uh, so instead of going off grid to live somewhere, you know, in one of the, usually it's for privileged people as well, right? I yeah. mean, you need to have the money, you need to have the space to to be able to do that and to travel and to go there.
1: Yeah, and if we all did, it, it wouldn't exist anymore because we would all go there and then, yeah. we, you know,
2: yeah.
0: There
1: will be noise and everything that they are escaping from. Yeah. This is not a criticism, and some people will always do. I would love to do that. I'm the first one to say that I would love to go and isolate myself, but it's no, it's wherever we are that we yeah. can make it into a, our dream place.
0: If so your own little sanctuary.
1: Yeah.
0: Do you want to end maybe with, yeah, do you, I mean, from what I've known for you, you don't have really like rules about eating, and people should. I mean, mm. we. If you want to know people with diets, you you look in the internet, and there's people. You should have this diet, or you should never eat this, or you. Sh- but is there still still a way that if if people want to start uh, exploring that relationship with food, what are yeah. some ways to get them started? Yeah. Um,
1: I think intermittent fasting is important. And what's that? I mean, you do. Intermittent fasting is that your your window of eating, the time window of eating, is shortened. So then, instead of eating every three or four hours, you leave more space between meals.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And uh, especially done in at night, like you eat at six o'clock in the mo- uh, at night, six or seven then you eat only 12 hours later or 14 hours later. So extending the time that you are not eating because most of the energy that we need to function in the world um, is, is going to digestion when you are digest digesting. So this is a big movement intermittent fasting nowadays, but it's the way that humans have always eaten. We didn't have food all the time. So it is a natural way for the body to find balance is to only eat two times a day. That is to extend the time in between meals. You can learn a lot on the internet. There's lots of it. But uh, basically, each time that you are a little bit hungry, you don't reach out for food. You wait a little bit because Mm -hmm. the body actually functions very well when they are a bit hungry. And this has now a lot of scientific studies behind it, but that's how we always have eaten. So that one is very important. And again, my body naturally started to do that and many people, and then uh, it's very healing. That's one thing. The other thing is to connect with the food. As I said before, and it doesn't have to be a complicated thing. It's just like, okay, like you said, the concept, you, there's a mango, Is the, you have the concept of a mango. So then you get the mango, you sit. Perhaps the mango is not even very good for your body.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Just the mango, But probably will not be if you're in the winter, there's snow and you're eating a tropical fruit, maybe it's not what your body is asking for. So if you sit a little bit with the food, that will eventually, the wisdom of the body will slowly come back. And it's a simple thing to do. So that's another thing the other thing I don't know for me the most important is really to listen to the body because understanding is not the mind somebody's going to tell you to eat meat somebody's going to tell you to eat vegetables blah, blah, blah. so it's, it's a not endless debate about what's good for you what's not but if you if you give it a little bit of attention because we have to give attention to what we're eating our bodies it's made of food it, I mean we are made of food so it is important to take Pay attention to it. So, back to the practicals. Intermittent fasting is is fundamental. Eating as local as possible, you know, because your body understands what's local to you. Yeah. If it's snowing in Holland, eating a coconut might not be ideal, or mm-hmm. uh, an avocado that comes from Mexico, and um, and perhaps your body doesn't even like it. It's just uh, so that and um, eating food that is alive. Mm-hmm. I think that's very important. You know, like around fifty percent of the meal would be good. That it's it's full of life. So raw food, either in terms of vegetables, of a green juice, or fruit, or sprouts. It's not difficult at all. And that's it's alive. So your body will feel more alive. Because of course, if you eat overcooked food, or if it's canned, it's dead. So it's okay to eat that. But uh, start the meal with with raw food, with food that it's uncooked.
0: And are you are you doing anything? I mean, you've you've we talked about before. You've been traveling a lot, but you've also had different businesses and everything. I think that's that's a whole different story, right? Yeah. Um. um what What are you doing now? Um,
1: um. Because I was very sick for the last seven years, so I was basically not doing much in terms of of business. Yeah. But. Um, The last two, three years, I moved. I was in the superfood, healthy food uh, kind of space, and I moved to natural beauty, which might not seem related, but basically what I do is all related to healing and this healing of the body and of the mind and of everything. And the skin, just like anything else, any other organ, is very, very important in the detox and detoxing and cleaning and... Feeling good in the body. That's why I moved to natural skincare. At the same time, I'm continuing to do the consultations with food, and I am now being certified as a breath coach. And why I did this is because I found out that breathing is one of the most important uh, tools that we have to center ourselves and to really bring balance. Balance is the most important word for me at the moment, and it's for free. It's there's no controversy about it because with the diets it's very confusing you know there's so much information and with the breathing I think we can help other people breathe in a more conscious and healthier way and really see results very fast so I've been doing exercises breathing exercises myself for the last 20 years I'm also Mm -hmm. a unit teacher I mean certified I never really practiced and never really shared this with others so I decided to be certified and start doing this so yeah. that's what I'm doing at the moment and I have a lot of interests and it will evolve as, as I evolve but the main topic is always coming from the chaos from to to a balance inside of us and there are many tools that can be applied in our know, yeah. really nice to achieve that balance
0: so if people yeah. want a more personal advice they can contact you and i'll yeah. put uh, the links uh, in the description yeah, yeah. so wh- how, how do you start with somebody if they uh, you know if i if i would book a, a consultation with you
1: yeah so um with the breathing um with the breathing we have a program that is we have we meet four times yeah in 40 minutes and I will breathe with you, I will explain why breathing is so important and I will take in your what's your main concerns and then I will adapt to you. And after those four weeks, you have the tools to do it for yourself, which I think it's very important that we have the tools. We are not always dependent on other people to tell us what to do. So that is what, what we do. With food, what I've been doing is like taking one-on-one consultations but I also wanted to make it into a package that it's four times I speak with you and I give you all the tools that I know I adapt it to you and then you're good to go you know Mm -hmm. you have your toolkit you know how to take care of your body I don't want I don't think it's important that people keep coming back I I find it's more interesting and more um, fruitful for people if they have the tools for themselves, and then they can practice rather than being dependent always on another person. So that's how I do it. At the right. moment. And the shop is only available in Switzerland. So, you know, the natural skincare is only available in Switzerland. Yeah. It's, it's difficult to ship outside of Switzerland.
0: <laughs> and maybe the last question for the more uh, intellectual uh, people listening to this. <laughs> um are you, uh, for uh, the people they're reading minded people like what what kind of you okay so you mentioned already oh, yeah okay uh, yeah. earth earthling was a, is a film
1: earthling um, yes earthing earthing
0: earthing, earthing. okay mm-hmm. uh anastasia is like a series of books by yeah vladimir mega yeah vladimir mega
1: and um i find one very f- book that, that really was very important for me was Karma from mm-hmm. Sadhguru. Okay. And the other is, uh, well, you know, my teacher, he doesn't write books, but there's one very interesting one that's called Different Yet the Same, mm-hmm. Tony Samada. And um, and there's a beautiful person also that uh, has helped me so much. Like, I don't know if you know him, Matthias de Stefano. He's now very popular, but he's an Argentinian that mm. now is very popular now. But I've been like following his teachings for the last 10 years. He's very connected to Egypt. I think he would like him. And um, so Matthias Stefano, Sadhguru, Tony Samara, Anastasia. Wonderful.
2: Mm.
1: You know, wonderful. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Thank you for I'm gonna make a very stupid joke. Thank you for all this food for thought.
1: <laughs> yeah. So connect. thank
0: you for having me, Mario. Thank you for listening. If you want to further explore your relationship with food, I really recommend booking a consultation with Ilanta. What diet and eating habits are good for us is very personal, and she explores together with you what will work in your situation. You can find her website in the description. And go to live from platoscave.com for other episodes and ways to support this podcast. It already helps a lot if you subscribe, share, like, etc. I hope to see you again soon.